0: All right, well today, uh, why don't you go ahead and turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, We're going to look at verses 1 through 4 here in a few minutes. You can hold your place there. You can also turn to Hebrews chapter 11 and hold your place at verses 8 through 10. I uh, hope that many of you uh, checked out a small group, a home group, connect group, uh, this past week, if not, I would encourage you to do so this week. Uh, I always like to begin home groups with icebreakers. And uh, this week, uh, my my home group got started, and, and so we opened up with an icebreaker. I asked the group a couple of questions, and here, here are the questions that we ask. Where do you consider home to be? However you define it, where do you consider home to be? And then the second question was, what is something that you really like about that place Or what is a fond memory you have of that place? And and the answers, if my memory serves me well, range from people identifying uh, a state as their home uh, to identifying a town or a city. Uh, Some identified the the house that they live in uh, as their home. And the answers about uh, what people liked about those places or the memories that they had uh, that were special uh, ran the gamut as well. Some people mentioned that what they really liked about their home was the serenity of their uh, backyard. Uh, Other people mentioned that what they uh, like about their uh, home, which they had identified as a city, is that uh, it's a small town called Pataskala. And, uh, and they run into people at the grocery store that they know virtually every time uh, that they go to the grocery store, and they, and they liked that. And, and then some had memories of um, a funny thing that had happened to one of their children in their home, and, and that was kind of the thing that stood out to them uh, about home. Home is a special place. Home is uh, a, an appealing place for us in, in many respects. I uh, personally consider, at this point, Pataskala to be my home. Uh, Pataskala has a a special place in my heart. Um, But I have to tell you, while I consider Pataskala to be my home, I have a special place in my heart and feel a connection to virtually every place that I've ever lived. And I would imagine that you uh, might feel similar to that. Growing up and in the early years of being married to Michelle, I lived in a number of different places. And and all of them have a place in my heart. And and my heart, in a sense, belongs to each of those places, even if I was only there for a very short time. Uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but I occasionally have to take nostalgia tours. Does anybody else take nostalgia tours? Please, somebody else, raise your hand. Okay. (laughs) I was getting very, very worried about myself. Uh, But yes, it looks like some of you take uh, nostalgia tours. And so I I do this occasionally. And so my nostalgia tours will take me to a number of different places. They'll take me to, to southern Ohio, where I'll drive past 1205 Coles Boulevard in Portsmouth. Where I'll drive by 2309 Ridgewood Drive in Wheelersburg. Uh, My nostalgia tours take me to New Lexington, Ohio, where I only lived for a very brief time when I was just extremely young, but where my uh, extended family, my grandparents, aunts, and uncles uh, lived for most of my childhood. Many of them are uh, still there. And I drive by the place that my grandparents lived for uh, 45 years, and I drive by the house that my aunt and uncle lived in where I Climbed trees with my cousin and uh, shot cardinals out of trees and did things like that. Don't tell the Ohio Department of Natural Resources. It's not a proud moment. Uh, (laughs) Some of you are going to have a hard time listening to the sermon now, aren't you? Inside words, Brian, inside words. Uh, I, I drive by the cemetery where my maternal grandparents are buried and, and, you know, memories just flood over me. And even though it's been years since uh, since my grandparents lived in that place, since they had moved away from there, I feel a connection to it. Uh, my nostalgia tours take me to 4504 Tall Meadow Lane in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, a tour that I haven't had in about ten years because my wife hates Texas. Um, <laughs> They even take me to 1705 West High Street in the the really cool town of Lima, Ohio, where I spent a short and unsuccessful six months of my life. And yet, even though I spent a short and unsuccessful six months of my life there, I feel some connection to that place. My tours take me to Eastmore in Columbus, and the first two houses that Michelle and I own, they take me down the road just a bit to Pickerington, where we live there. And of course, as I started out saying now, home for me is Pataskala. It is uh, this community. It is uh, the house where I live with my family, and it's Pickerington and my parents' house, and it's Central Ohio, broadly defined, where most of my family and friends in the world live. They say that home is where the heart is, and uh, I hold all of these places in my heart, and uh, to some extent, my heart belongs to all of these places. Here's a really good definition of home that I came across this week it's this the place where one's affections are centered. The place where one's affections are centered. All of these places I've mentioned hold a special place in my heart because at one time in my life, they were the place where my affections were centered. They're the places that I lived with my family, and and family is one of the greatest providers of identity and security uh, that we have. Now, Some of you may have even come from difficult uh, family environments. But even if that was the case for you, it's very likely that you found other sources of identity and security. And that the people and places that provided that identity and security have become what you now think of as home. Home can be different things to different people, as I've mentioned. It can be a house. It can be a city. It can be a state. But whatever we identify as home... It is likely we do so because it is in that place that our affections are centered. It is in that place that we find our identity and our security. You might consider home to be the group of uh, friends that you have. Uh, hopefully, uh, for most of us, we consider our family home. Again, our house, our city. Maybe you, and I hope you do, consider your church or home. In a sense, home is All of these things. But whatever you identify as home, however many places you might identify as home, those are the places where your affections are centered, where your identity and security are found. Home is appealing to us because identity and security are important to us. And they are so very needed in each of our lives. Today, we're continuing continuing our series on taking God-inspired risk, and I've simply called this series By Faith. And today, we're going to take a look at what God asked of a man named Abram. You see, God wanted to use Abram in a very special way. God wanted to make a, a great nation of the descendants of Abram. He wanted to make a very special nation of these people from which the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, would eventually come. God wanted to use Abram and his descendants to be a blessing to all of the peoples of the world. Not just to be a blessing, uh, you know, for themselves, but to bless the entire world. But in order for Abram's descendants to become the great nation that God desired, and in order for Abram and his descendants to be a blessing to the entire world, God needed Abram to be willing to cooperate with his plan. God needed Abram to be willing to be obedient to what God would call Abram to do. And what God called Abram to do, what he required of Abram, in order to cooperate with his plan, was something that was very costly, something that was very risky. God called Abram to leave his home in order to become the great nation that God wanted him to become, in order to become the source of blessing that God wanted he and his descendants to be. We read about this in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. So if you have your place there, why don't you just follow along as I read. The Lord had said to Abram, "'Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, "'and go to the land that I will show you. "'I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. "'I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. "'I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse.'" And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. 75 years old. God says, I need you to leave home. Abram's obedience and obeying God's call is commended in Hebrews chapter 11 uh, which we looked at last week, and which I told you would sort of be our launching, uh, launching pad for this series. It's that chapter that's referred to as the Faith Hall of Fame. And I want you to hear how Abram is commended in Hebrews eleven eight 8 through 10. Here's what we read. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though... He did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So God calls Abram, whose name was later changed to Abraham in Genesis chapter 11... Abram simply means exalted father, and then Abraham means father of many. And so God called him to leave home so that God could make a great nation out of him that would be a blessing to all the peoples on the earth. For God's plan to be fulfilled through Abraham, Abraham has to be obedient to God's directions. He has to be obedient to God's call. He has to leave home. Hebrews outlines for us very nicely the risks and sacrifices that were associated with Abraham's obedience to God's plan. Verse 8 makes the point that Abraham obeyed God's call to leave home, quote, even though he did not know where he was going. Now, Genesis makes this point as well. This seems to be an important part of the story. Uh, Genesis says that he was called to leave and go to a place that, quote, God would show him. God would show him. He hadn't shown him yet. He had to leave first. And then God was going to show him. He, He was called by God to leave those normal sources of identity and security family, and country. He had to leave home. The place where his affections were centered. The place his identity was tied up with. The place where he belonged. The place where his family was. The place where he felt secure. This was risky stuff that God called Abraham to do. Leaving home is risky. If you have moved across the country or, or you've, you've moved from one state to the neighboring state or sometimes even if you move from one community to the next community over, it can feel very risky. Depending on the distance, it separates one from the daily support of family. It takes one out of a familiar environment and places us in an unfamiliar environment. And and here's an interesting thing about God's call to Abraham. The place he was going to lead him was already inhabited by other people, the Canaanites, and they were not going to be that happy that this guy seemed to think that God had given him this particular land. You know, leaving home is risky even if you know where you're going. But Abraham did not know his ultimate destination when he obeyed God's command to leave. He did not have the slightest idea where the journey would ultimately lead him. It was against all common sense to leave the place of familiarity, the place where he had been known and loved his entire life, to head to an unknown destination. I have no doubt that acquaintances of Abram thought that he was imprudent, that he was reckless, that he was not thinking clearly. And you know, friends, the walk of faith often opens up followers of God to this charge, to to being thought of this way. You're being foolish. You're being imprudent. How could you take that kind of risk? Oh, because God told you to. But people who really know God can be content following God, even when they aren't sure exactly where God's will will ultimately lead them and leave them. They can be content in that. Not only did Abram uh, leave home not knowing where he was going, but verse nine of Hebrews uh, makes it clear that he that when he made his home in the promised land, he did so like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, which is a a symbol of pilgrimage, a symbol of impermanence. So even when Abraham came to the promised land, he chose to live in a tent a temporary dwelling, rather than in a fixed dwelling. Even in the promised land, he lived like someone who was passing through. Here's what it's like. It's it's like as if in obeying the call to leave home, in being obedient to God to do that, that his affections became centered Somewhere that he had never been before. And that's exactly what the next verse tells us. Verse 10 says, For he was looking forward to a city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Here's what happened to Abram as he obeyed God's command to leave home. Abraham's affection shifted from what they had always been and where they had always been centered, and they became centered on God. His affections were no longer set on present material things. His affections were no longer set on places that he had been and that were familiar, places where his identity and security had come from. Now his affections were centered on the eternal. His identity and his security came from his relationship with God, from his faith in the promises of God. His obedience and leaving home had brought about a change that only God could make in him. His heart's affections had shifted from resting on being centered in temporal things to being centered on eternal things. And so Abraham is commended in the Faith Hall of Fame Because by faith, he obeyed God's call to leave home and accepted the risk associated with that, even though he didn't know where he was going. By faith, he chose to live as a sojourner, one one who is just here temporarily. And by faith, his heart became set on the eternal rather than than the temporal. Abraham, as many of you know, is considered the father of faith. Uh, According to Paul, the offspring of Abraham are not just the people of Israel, the nation of Israel through which Christ came into the world, but Abram's offspring, Abraham's offspring, are all of those who respond to God in faith, all of those who walk by faith, all of those who receive Christ, the blessing to the world that came through Abraham and his descendants. Abraham is the model of faith. When you talk about faith, you don't get any bigger deal than Abraham. But here's something that I want you to understand about Abraham before we look at a few ways that we can apply uh, Abraham's leaving home to our own lives. Here's something I want you to see. Even though he was a big deal when it comes to faith in God, Abraham had great faith, But he did not have perfect faith. The father of faith. Great faith, but not perfect faith. We're not going to take time to read through all of this today. But Abraham wasted some years short of the promised land in a place called Haran. And when times got tough, Abraham started to to have some reservations, started to have some doubts, and he took an ill-advised trip to Egypt. And in Egypt, he made some very bad decisions. His faith was great. His faith was not perfect. And I find comfort in this. Even the father of faith did not have perfect faith. God calls each and every one of us here today to walk by faith. He calls us to take some risk by faith. But friend, your faith, my faith, can be pleasing to God, even when it falls short of being perfect faith. And so what I want to encourage you with is uh, this. You should never shrink back from taking risk for God just because you're concerned that your faith isn't perfect. God can work with the imperfect faith that you have. He really, really can. One time I was uh, sharing with a friend of mine a fear I had, something that I believed God was calling me to do, but I just could not conceive that I would really be able to walk this out. And and, and this fear I had was causing me to not even try. And, And he just spoke such simple truth to me, but said, you're not going to try because you're afraid you won't do this perfectly? What is wrong with you? (laughs) Just try. God knows you're not perfect. Just try. Just be obedient. See how it goes. We should never shrink back because we're concerned our faith isn't perfect. God can work with that. So how do we apply these things to our own uh, situations today. How do people living in the year 2013 read about events from thousands of years ago, uh, read about a man leaving home, and apply this to our lives? What might God want us to take from this story? Uh, What might God want us to learn and emulate uh, in, in this story of Abraham being called by God to risk leaving home, and cooperate with God's plan to be a blessing to all the peoples of the earth. Here is uh, at least one of the ways that I think God wants us to apply this uh, to our lives today. If home is where the affections are centered, a key source of identity and security, then, friends, there are many, many homes that we have. We have ideological homes, ideologies that we're comfortable with, that we find our identity in, that we find our security in. We have religious homes. We have denominational homes. Uh, We have homes that we've already mentioned many times, homes of family and city and country. And God wants us to be willing, like Abraham, to leave these homes for his purposes when he calls us To do so. Sometimes God calls us to leave behind an ideology for Him, for His purposes, to to do what He wants us to do. You know, there are ideologies that people embrace with religious fervor, and God calls people to leave those, or, or at least hold them loosely in order to cooperate with his will. Uh, perhaps you have a, uh, a strong grasp, a strong bent, uh, a strong affinity toward a particular political ideology. And you may have noticed that you are having trouble loving and caring for people who don't share that ideology. God is probably calling you to hold that political ideology a little bit more loosely, So that you at least have the capacity to love people who think differently than you do. You know, maybe you're a recent college graduate who uh, came under the influence of a popular professor who convinced you that Jesus was really a social revolutionary, sort of like Che Guevara. But you've discovered in Scripture that your professor hadn't read his Bible very closely. And that Jesus had more central concerns than the ones that your professor talked about. And so for you to cooperate with God's plan, he, he may be calling you to, to leave this ideology that what Jesus really was about was some type of societal transformation that would lead us to uh, some type of socialist utopia. Maybe you're a, fir- fir- a firm believer in a survival-of-the-fittest approach to economics— Maybe you believe in this ideology so much that you struggle to entertain any scenario where the church or government should provide any type of social safety net for people. And so you toss around that verse that says, if a man won't work, he shouldn't eat, as if it is the be-all and end-all of what should be said about caring for people in need. Maybe God is calling you to embrace Jesus' agenda more tightly and loosen your grip on your own political, long-held ideology, at least to loosen the grip enough that you can see your way to serving someone who's in need, to to serving in a soup kitchen or offering short-term assistance to someone who is struggling. Whatever direction your political ideologies lean, God may be calling you to leave those behind or at least hold them more loosely, in order to do what he wants you to do, to love the people he wants you to love, to serve the people that he wants you to serve. Religion is a home that God calls people to leave. Maybe you're here today and you've grown up in another faith. Uh, Maybe you were uh, raised in a Mormon home or you were uh, raised Jehovah's Witness. Maybe you were raised Buddhist. Maybe you were uh, raised as a secular humanist and these other religions and belief systems have been where your affections have been centered where your identity has been rooted these are the places where you felt comfortable where you felt secure where you felt loved but recently you felt god speaking to you you know that he's revealed some things to you that that make it impossible for you to be obedient to him and remain in these comfortable places feels risky to you. You know that to leave your religion, the religion of your upbringing is going to have consequences for your life. Your family might not understand. They might be hostile to the decision. The decision to uh, leave your religious home might even cost you your family. But you sense that God is calling you to leave. You you sense that he is calling you to embrace the truth of the Bible, the truth about Jesus. You sense that he is calling you to become a Christian. You need to, like Abraham, be willing to say, yes, I will leave home, God. I will do it for you. Sometimes God calls us to leave denominational homes. And this is one that I'm well acquainted with. I spent uh, most of my childhood and a good deal of my early adult years in the same denomination. And when Michelle and I made the decision to become part of the Vineyard in 1997, we left that denomination. And some of our family, thankfully not our immediate family, not our parents and siblings, but some of our extended family did not understand why we were doing this. Still don't understand. Been a pastor for 10 years. Still don't understand why we did this. Feel that we abandoned something that we should not have abandoned. Probably, if being very honest, would say they feel that we did something that was and remains displeasing to God. Perhaps you are here today visiting the vineyard. Uh, Perhaps it's very different than the denomination you were raised in, but for some reason you feel God is calling you to something different. Maybe you even feel that he is calling you here. Maybe your denomination has started compromising in ways that you can't and shouldn't support. Maybe they're saying it's okay to live in ways that the Bible says it's not okay to live. Maybe you're a part of a denomination that's now saying that the Bible isn't so much the inspired Word of God uh, to which we submit, but rather the Bible is just one of a number of sources that can aid us in our spiritual journey. It's a good book. It's a great book. Uh, it's got a lot of great insights in it, but it's, it's just one source of many that, uh, that we can uh, uh, find guidance for our spiritual journeys. Maybe you're part of a denomination that's so heavy on tradition that it chokes off the work of the Holy Spirit. It could be any number of things, but you know that God is calling you to leave it, and yet it's hard. Maybe you've been a part of it your whole life, maybe your family's still a part of it. You know, leaving is going to open you up to disapproval. You know, friendships are going to be lost. It's risky, but God may be calling you. And if he is, you need to be like Abraham and you need to say, yes, God, I am willing to leave home. Sometimes God calls us to leave family. And not in the sense that we stop loving them or stop being connected to them, but in the sense that we do not value family above doing the will of God for our lives. So if God calls us to leave home, to leave family, to become a missionary, to plant a church, or, or to accept an opportunity in your field in another city, because you believe that that opportunity is going to give you a strategic position to be able to influence your company, your career, your field in a way that will please God. You can say, yes, I'm, I'm willing to leave home because I think this is what God has for me. You're, you're willing to leave because even though you love your family, you love God more. The same goes for City. The same goes for country, There might be a few of you here today who feel that God is calling you to leave the United States. To leave this place where you've been your whole life. You sense he's calling you to another country because he wants you to serve there. He, he wants you to be a blessing to the people there. He wants you to share the gospel with people there. If God is really calling you to do that, then you've got to be willing to take the risk. You've got to be willing to leave your country. You've got to be willing to go to the place that He is leading you to. I've mentioned this several times recently, and I'm probably going to mention it more in the months to come, but... I sense God is calling us as a church to move in this direction that I'm about to mention. I I don't know exactly when or exactly how, but I believe that Vineyard Christian Church is supposed to plant other churches. And I've been waiting for all kinds of things that I just thought it made a lot of sense to wait on. And recently I've just felt like God is calling us to do it. And I'm saying, God, but all the things I thought I was waiting on, they're not all stacking up. and I. In spite of that sense that God is saying, no, you you need to start to take some steps to be obedient to me. So I believe God's calling VCC to plant other churches. And I believe that there are people in this church who God has put the thought in your mind at some time or another that you might be involved in a team of people that would go somewhere else and start a church in another city. And yet you may be really rooted here in Pataskala. Your home may have been here for a long, long time. Your job and your family may be right here. At least your family. Your job's probably in New York or Columbus. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, You've sensed that God might be taking you somewhere else. It'll be risky. Leaving a good job is Risky. Sometimes church plants don't succeed. Even when the church planter heard God correctly to go, it's risky. Selling a house is risky. Moving to an unfamiliar place that might not be overly receptive to you is risky. But if God calls you to do it, you've got to respond like Abraham. You've got to say, yes, God, I am willing to leave home if that's what you're telling me to do. In all of these examples, God calls people just like he did Abram to leave the security of the familiar. He he calls people to leave without knowing the outcome. As I just said, church planting is risky business. Moving to another country is risky business. Moving to another city because you sense that God wants you to be an influence in your particular career field in that place is risky business. Success is not guaranteed. If anyone gave you the idea that being in God's will guaranteed success, they gave you a non-biblical idea. Being in God's will does not guarantee success. It guarantees that you're being faithful, guarantees obedience, it guarantees God's approval. It does not guarantee success as we think of success. Leaving a denomination where your history is rooted is risky business, especially if that's where your family and friends are. When Michelle and I left our denomination to become a part of the vineyard, it was scary, We did not know anyone. And most of the people we met did not seem like our kind of people. The first time I went to a vineyard church, I dressed down for church. I had nice dress slacks on and a nice dress shirt and a tie. And I dressed down because I left the sport coat at home. And those people in that place looked like you. (laughs) These didn't look like my kind of people. We were used to big choirs. There were a couple of guitars up there singing Kumbaya. It was like these... That's an exaggeration. (laughs) Michelle dislikes that exaggeration. I'm sorry, but that was... That was, that was my perception of it. That's what it looked like to me. Didn't feel like my place. Didn't feel like my people. Didn't know anybody. Her brother invited us, but he moved to Colorado before we actually accepted the invitation. We Didn't know anybody. My first night at Vineyard Leadership Institute, which, gets, get this, is the place that God chose to use to open up doors for me to eventually do what I felt like God had called me to do. My first night in VLI, I was so uncomfortable. I was so, even on a couple points, put off by a couple things that happened there that I just about backed out of the whole thing. But I sensed, this is what God has for us. And so we stuck it out, even though it was risky, even though it was uncomfortable, even though we went from being well-known to not being known at all. It was scary. God calls us to leave the security of the familiar. He calls us to leave without knowing the outcome. And he calls us to hold material things loosely. In many of these examples that I've given, there is a financial risk involved in these things. Or at least there is a lifestyle change involved. You know, living in another country doesn't always suit our American taste. I hear this from reports of people. Other towns sometimes don't don't have quite the amenities of, no, no, don't laugh, of Pataskala. (laughs) I mean, we we sometimes act like Pataskala doesn't have much going on, but you know you only have to drive five minutes down the road and uh, you're in the 15th largest city in the country. Okay, 10 or 15 minutes down the road. But there are a lot of nice amenities where we live. God may call you somewhere where where. There's not a big city close by with all the conveniences and the entertainment and the, the awesome dining establishments. <laughs> Different lifestyle. God calls us, like Abram, to hold material things loosely. Figuratively, he calls us to live in tents. And God does something else when he calls us to leave home. He calls us to set our hearts on the eternal To orient our lives to the future rather than the present. To, To choose to live for a future reward rather than present comfort. This is what God calls us to do. Are you willing, if God calls you, to leave the security of the familiar? To leave without knowing the outcome? To hold material things loosely? To set your heart on the eternal. For the will of God and because of your love for God. Are you willing to do that? And there's one more thing that I think God wants me to mention here today. If home is the place where our affections are centered, then there is another home that deserves mentioning here today. Sometimes a particular sin becomes home for us. Think about this with me. It's a place of comfort for us. It's a place we go to try to find refuge from the stresses of life. It could be something that we've done for so long that our identity is all wrapped up in it. Our affections can be centered on sin. Sin can become a home to us. Here's a way that you can tell if sin has become a home for you. If there is something in your life that you know displeases God, but as soon as life gets difficult for you, you run to that thing. Where where, where do you go when life kind of falls apart? If you have a healthy home environment, you you run home. You, you, you run to something that offers you comfort. If there is a sin that you run to when you get stressed out, when you've been mistreated, when you're overworked, when you're not getting along with your spouse, home's where you go for comfort. And if you're turning to a sin when you need comforted, that sin has become a home to you. Alcoholism can be a home. Inappropriate relationships can be a home. Substance abuse can be a home. Materialism can be a God-displeasing home. Feel bad? Buy stuff. Sin can become a home. And if you know today that there is some particular sin that is home for you, you need to understand that God is calling you to leave that for his purposes and for your good. Now, many of the examples I've given today can be a bit subjective when we're trying to discern God's will, to hear what he wants from us. But on this one, friend, on this one, there is no ambiguity whatsoever. If sin has become a home for you, God is calling you to leave home. God's calling you to leave it behind. You, you might not know how it's going to turn out. It it may feel risky to you to give up the thing that, even though it's fleeting, it does provide you some momentary relief. That may feel risky to you, but God is calling you to leave. I've given a number of examples here today, and I believe there have been examples that God prompted me to share because I think that they all apply to at least one person in here. And I think that most of them probably apply to a few people, to several people that are in here. But these are just a sampling of the things that God may be calling people to leave today. The question that you need to ask over these next few minutes is, what is God calling you to leave? If he is calling you to leave something, my prayer for you is that you would be able to follow the example of Abraham and that though it may be risky for you, you would be willing and you would leave for your good, for God's purposes, and for God's glory. Will you stand?